If you are listening to the Candid Conversations podcast, it means you are ready to have a major breakthrough in your business. That is why we invite industry experts onto this show so you can fill your mind with valuable information. We exist because we believe business owners are the real investors of the economy. Here's your host, Charles Schwen from Flying Kite. Welcome to another episode of Candid Conversations. I'm your host, Charles Schwen from Flying Kite. Today, we have Leanne Hughes. And Leanne, you are from Australia, so you are like my first guest from Australia. In other words, you're literally representing your nation. Welcome to the show. Amazing. Uh, any opportunity to represent Australia is an incredible one. I mean, ideally it would have been the Olympics, but this is like plan B, plan B, right? <laughs> so this is the podcast dream. of Olympics. Okay. This is a podcast of Olympics or Olympics <laughs> of podcast. So Leanne, you know, you have, I was thinking about how to introduce you over the weekend and you're just, you're so multi-talented. There's a facilitation, podcast, speaker, trainer, Perhaps you are have there's even a book coming in there somewhere. I believe everybody's at least have one book. But your main thing, from what I understand, is you help um, companies create rave worthy workshops, and that in itself can be different facets. Um, speaking of rave, did you get the name because you used to go to raves, or was that before your time? I'm, uh, I don't know what raves are, so it's not before my time, but I'm not really a raver. Although people do come up to me when I'm out and they're like, what are you on? Because I'm just high on life, but I'm not <laughs> into the rave scene. I do like some, like if I was the, the ultimate goal, it would be, you know, if I ever won the lottery, it would be on a boat with David Guetta. You know, maybe that's a little bit of that. That would be the rave that I would have, but not into like the scene. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. So, you know what, like, I'm going to get into the the core of what you do in a in a in a sh- in a short uh, short second, but you know, like I always like to go back in time. You know, like I believe people are who they are today because of what they went through, and we had a pre chat, so to speak, um, last week, and I found out from you when you were a child, you were quite a planner because your dad was an engineer. So to tell us, tell us, tell the listeners again about how you used to plan your birthday party because I thought it was such a fascinating story. Yeah, and then I didn't really think it was fascinating until I went to someone else's birthday party and it wasn't planned and it was really boring and we just sort of, it was just very organic. And again, as a five or six-year-old, I was judging that, which is like, okay, something internal here and which is why I do that whole rave-worthy work experiences and workshops is to maximise those moments. Um, but my experience of birthday parties, this is what I thought everyone else was doing. Um, like I said, my dad's an engineer. He's highly analytical, even now, right? So he might see me on the weekend and he's like, Leanne, what's your list for the weekend? What's on your list? <laughs> and that, that, sort of, that certainly triggered me at high school. But when I was younger with birthday parties, we would itemise we'd have an agenda for these party games we, and we'd go to the library and get all these books out and we'd go through, go, which activity would we put where? Um, we go, we've got to start with this one because um, that'll get ease people in. So we're literally mapping out what I do now with corporate workshops, but for kids' birthday parties, we'd also go to like these X Factor places and get like the coolest um, prizes for, for the games as well. So it really, um, it was really about designing that experience and that's the way, because I was brought up that way, that's what I came to expect. And so when I go to workshops or events that aren't intentionally designed, it annoys me. And that's why I started my podcast. So you feel like, do you feel like it's a, it will be wasting people's time? Cause like, what are we here for? That's it. That's my, I think when you drill it down to like the, why I do what I do, that's what it's about. And I, I really know that we have such a short time on this planet. And for me, I don't like seeing time wasted. 
Now saying that there's also opportunities where you can have like loose people just chatting and everything else. On the flip side, my mother is from Papua New Guinea. I actually played netball for Papua New Guinea and I flew over there and I had all these relatives meet me that had, I'd never met before. They came to my um, trial for the, for the national team. After the game, um, they just sat in the circle. And so I went to sit down with them and this Western mind was going, okay, what are we going to do next? Like, what's the event? But we just sat there for hours just talking. Okay. So that was like the flip side of the way that I was brought up. And so there's absolute value for, for, for it, but the value there is it's still maximizing time because I'm still spending time with the people. Quality that, time, quality time. Yeah. The people that matter. Yeah. So, so I want to, I want to ask you about that, uh, the, your, 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 your background, but I'm just trying to understand. So from, from a five-year-old, you plan the party, but let's talk about planning. So are you saying like, for example, welcome snacks between let's say four yes. until four thirty. Yes. So when four thirty ends, you literally take the snacks away. I mean, what, what, what level yes. of plan are we talking about? It was about? actually, it was, I mean, oh, gosh, I wish we could find like these, these handwritten, it, it was, we, dad had a book. He'd have the time we'd have, we'd plan the snacks, like what snacks are being brought out, what's happening, um, what decorations we need. So the setup beforehand was all mapped out. Like, an engineer would i'm not an engineer in any way of imagination apart from maybe engineering these these workshops and then so even um you have passed the parcel in south africa right mm. like so we would do something where dad would um we'd make it exciting so we'd have like this maybe a prize it could be like a toy car or whatever it was a barbie and we'd wrap it in like this massive box so then it's past the parcel time and dad would walk in with this like huge box and everyone's like oh my gosh um but just like little things like every activity mapping it and going how can we make this cooler or more inventive yeah but but I, I mean, literally time to the minute i don't think there's anything wrong with it. it's just about planning but and you know it's it's a, it's a fine line because you, when you just mentioned that it reminded me uh, this was back in 20 i think 2015 a friend of mine got married and they asked me to be the MC and to, to give a give a speech at the wedding. And I I the way I ran it was kind of like that. They gave me itinerary. Let's say the wedding starts at I don't know, let's say four o'clock. And I literally stuck to the time because I said to them, the reason why I do that is it's the biggest day of your life. I'm not gonna be loosey goosey and, and waste everybody's time. And you know what? Um I've actually never said this on air. Um, so one of their family members, uh, her cousin, Tracy, she said, because the way we saw you ran the wedding, you are going to marry us. And actually after this interview, I'm going there to plan their wedding for them because they're getting married at the end of November. And I'm actually, uh, officiating the wedding at the end of November. Congrats. That's really Thank cool. You. Never ever happened before. I never thought, like growing up as a kid, I'll be officiating somebody's wedding. But because of that, they saw how my mind worked, and I got, I got the honor of of officiating the wedding. But so I, I guess it's it's. But you know, at this time, it's like we need to. I, I suppose sometimes we need to be a little bit flexible, like you say, with the family yes. member, because that's their culture, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, there's absolute context. And I don't think it was rigid as, okay, it's 4.30. Like it wasn't like a factory, but it was more like, okay, now we know what's happening next. And so there's, you know, there comes a time where you just transition it off or if something's not working. So those elements of, of that planning, I think that absolutely comes into the context. And by the way, I'm sure they're getting you as their wedding person officiating because not only because you stick to time, but because of your character. So 
I just want to throw oh, you're so kind. Uh, you're so kind. I, I <laughs> hope so. I hope so. We'll, we'll find out yes. on the day. Um, um, so I want to fast forward a little bit. So you study a wide uh, array of things. Um, mm-hmm. what, what did you actually want to do? Uh, like, let's say, when you finished high school, because you studied, I think it was business. It's got to do with something. Got to, uh, if I remember correctly, also psychology was a wide array. What was your plan, you're like, finishing high school? Well, that's probably the most generic couple of degrees I could have put together because I didn't know what I wanted to do, right? So I didn't want to jump into physiotherapy or like engineering because that's very planned out. If you do that, you become this. I so see, I wanted to I avoid see, that. Okay. But at okay. the same time, I was sort of brought up thinking like all my friends were just going from high school to uni. So I just accepted that was the progression, not knowing what I wanted to do, no intentionality. So I picked two very loose fields, business, there's opportunity to progress into anything. I decided to HR and industrial relations after like the second year and then arts double major in psychology that's probably linked back to my sporting background so when I was again about the age of 11 12 I read um so Stephen Covey wrote the seven habits of highly effective people I read the highly effective teens version which is written by Sean Covey his son oh wow and I okay. yeah I didn't even know that there was a book but okay I just learned something new <laughs> the teen version was great because it like just spoke to me as a teenager and I applied everything he wrote in that book to my netball career. So I was very goal oriented for every game. I'd set goals. I'd go through that. And so I was really interested in psychology and mindset. Um, and so I knew I wanted to work in that type of field, but I didn't know how it could be applied until I started like putting my feet out into the marketplace. And, and you had an interesting story because you mean you, you work for people for, for a very, very long time. And then I, if I remember the story correctly, uh, on your last day of work, it was at a get together that you met somebody and somewhere, somehow, next thing you know, you're getting booked out at Singapore and then something yes. to do with a <laughs> Chanel brand, something like yeah. that. So tell us the story because oh, I told yeah, yeah, you the way. Yeah, well, like it's my biggest fear. I was working, my last corporate job was working for in a global role for a mining company and I was traveling all over the world. And I, once I went to Mongolia, that was like my bucket list. It's like, oh, well, that's cool. Like, where do I go now? And the biggest fear for me leaving my job was I'll never get to travel for work again internationally, right? I just thought, oh, this will never happen on my own. But as you said, Charles, so what happened was there was like a train the train or type of, some type of session in Sydney um, in my last week of work. And I thought, oh, look, I'll fly down there um, and everyone's like, why are you doing that, Leanne? Like, just, you know, go into second or first gear and just relax. And I'm like, no, nah, this is a great opportunity to see everyone. And, and it was, and that, as you said, Charles, so it was one of those evenings after one of the days I was having just a, a cocktail with one of the people in our par- parent company. And she asked, Hey, what do you want to do in the future? I said, I'd love to live in Asia someday. I love like Bangkok. It's my favorite city. And she said, Oh, would you like to run these sessions in across Asia? And I was like, yes. <laughs> Yes. And then um, that booked out like six months of work. I was traveling to Hong Kong during the protests, running workshops in Singapore and across India um, as well. The Chanel gig was another um, instance. And this is from something I talk about in just building relationships is over time and just being of, of service to someone. And the book Pivot by Jenny Blake was like, it's a book that hit me in the face when I discovered it. I discovered it at a time when I wasn't satisfied in work. Um, because I loved it so much, I reached out to the author and then over a few couple of years, we developed a friendship. I, I went to New York, I met her for the first time. And then I think it was like maybe a month after that, this is maybe three months after leaving my job. I wake up one morning and there's this email and it says, hey, would you like me to fly you to Paris to run workshops for Chanel? Uh, yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> so, you know, you know, like like what, what I hear from this, right, and, and, and I love yeah. it, is a lot of time people think, uh, it's impossible or it's not going yeah. to happen. 
listening to your story, it sounds like a freaking movie. Like people can literally turn this into a, 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 a mini series. But what I hear from it is you took action. Because you're like, if not, why not? Like, for example, the author that you mentioned, uh, Jenny, I, I know her and I remember she spoke at different places. The fact that you reach out to her, the fact that she actually wrote back, this is where it all started. But if you had the limitation of, nah, this will never happen, then it's not going to happen. So I don't know if you heard of this guy called Bob Goff. No. He wrote a few, few books called Love Does, Everybody Always. He, he's a lawyer, but he's also into just helping people making this place amazing and he's like in his 60s and i'm not kidding you his his office is on tom sawyer island in disneyland what yes. i need to find out more about this guy exactly that's he that's where his office is he's a lawyer i mean it's like he 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 taught at a, there's a university in america called pepperdine university and uh, he shared the story, like when his students want to come to him, sure, your office hours, but you have to pay 95 bucks for the ferry and, and uh, to go see him on Tom Sawyer Island in Disneyland. And he said every time he goes there, will, there'll be at least 10 people waiting because they'll be like, what? How is this possible? So like some of his stories are just so incredible. Like, like I, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it, but I just finished listening to one of his audiobooks, And this is the craziest thing. In one of his books called Love Does, he actually put his telephone number in the book and he'll have hundreds of calls a day that people phoning him and, oh and gosh. I know, exactly, right? I know, I can see your jaw dropping. I've got his number to say. I phoned him a few times, he hasn't picked up yet. I'm going to continue to phone. So Bob, if you ever hear this podcast, I'm phoning you. Okay, I love that. I love that story um, because and there is a good quote and, and David White, he says, that which you can plan is too small for you to live. And mm-hmm. I love that because life is, is so extraordinary. There's so many unlimited opportunities, but it starts with our own mindset and negotiating against ourselves and busting out of that because we're the ones that protect ourselves the most. Um, so no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like like I, I I sent him a text yesterday, Bob, a text yesterday saying that, listen, um. Uh, like every time if I feel like something's impossible, I listen to one of your stories and I just go, heck yeah, I can do it. Like, I, I mean, there's just too many stories to share that about him. That that's, but anyways, this is not the Bob show. This is a Leanne show. So let's go, <laughs> let, let's, let's do a U-turn back. So I want to find out like something that you, that you mentioned everything uh, in your, in your booked out workshop, the whole idea is how to get booked out for the next five sh- workshop from the first one. And Mm -hmm. the reason why I I did this course myself was this is not just for facilitators. This can be for public speakers, for sales trainer like me, for somebody that is um, doing their own facilitation, human resource. It can be, uh, and what makes this interesting is you kept the content simple and there's something called the three C's. Can you tell people what the three C's are? Yeah, well, I was trying to sort of um, like a lot of the stuff that you, you were talking about, it, it it came out of like serendipitous moments. But then Jim Collins talks about something called return on luck, where we all are given the same amount of luck. It's what you do with it. So when I think about like my experience with the corporate work and how I've landed various gigs, I was thinking about each of those times, it's been one of those elements, like one of those three C's. It's either been through my connections, which have been I've kept in touch with someone or we've had a really great conversation that's gone somewhere. 
It's been the content like put out. And I strongly believe, and you're a big fan of Don Miller as well, we can construct our own narrative online, right? So it's all about perception and we get to craft that. We, we're like the Steven Spielbergs of our life when it comes to crafting those stories. So the content that you're putting out there, but also using content to really like organize your thoughts as well. And the third one is your craft. And I think this is one that um, I find it interesting, like as workshop facilitators, I really see some like, all the, you know, at, at our peers and our biggest selling mechanism is a way that we show up and present these workshops. Like people are buying us not only not for the content, but for our, our energy, our ability to help them get results. And yet we shy away from showing that. And so I think there's ways either by hosting your own events and and demonstrating that, but also seeding what you do as part of your workshop experience. And a good book on that, Jonah Berger wrote the book Contagious. It's how can you bring in those like influential contagious type of moments within your workshop to create more word of mouth. Um, And that's where it's going. I mean, you've seen with influencer marketing. So it's really matching up, I guess, the two careers I had in life, which were marketing and facilitation, bringing them together. Hmm. I mean, it's fascinating. Like Jonah, Jonah I've, I've read Jonah's book, and uh, he's got some. I think one of the case study that 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 uh, stuck up for me was the blender thing. Will it blend? Yeah. I think somebody, uh, if I remember this correctly, it was. Uh, I think it was a blender, and they wanted to show how powerful the blender was. They were literally blending iPhones. Yes, yes. listener. They literally took an iPhone and say, will it blend? And they made a YouTube video and it just went viral. Little things like that. So I think he spoke about social currency. And uh, I think uh, uh, Robert Cialdini is also a big, big guy in that about the, the, the influence. So it's everything that's so what I've what I've noticed is mm-hmm. you took your own experience and you also you you I know you're an avid reader, which is going to be my next question now. Um, and you took bits and pieces of the things that you have learned and read and you package it in a way that made sense for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's how I understood it. Exactly. Am, am, yes. I, am I on track? Yeah. More about the content curation piece. So yeah. Curation and content. Cause what we're at the stage now is I used this with a workshop group the other day. Um, they are really focused on the content. I said, oh, look, I gave them all these trivia questions. I said, you can use whatever device you want to answer it. So of course they will hop onto Google. So the challenge isn't, having content, the challenge is what's the right content and what's the path of getting there the fastest. Cause we've just like, we're overwhelmed with the amount of content available to us, but the, the guide is a person that can go, right, you need this, not this. And I think curating that is actually quite important now when we're overwhelmed with um, the masses of information. It's like every day you read something you're like, Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But it's like, let's just cut out those things and just focus on this part. Mm, that's, that's, a, that's a very, very good very very good point the the problem that we have today is not the lack of information but is too much information and uh you were talking about um if i remember correctly you said something about uh focusing your mind and looking for something and getting what you're looking for basically because there's a lot of junk out there so which actually reminded me of google's pitch line all those years ago which is in itself is a mini story when they went to one of the original uh, investors their pitch to them was uh the world's information with a click of a button yeah and that is so simple yet powerful and that is something that when i'm when i'm training people say to them like you have to be able to summarize what you do with one sentence Mm. It's, it's and i can i can guarantee you that little sentence took them years to well sorry not years they took them time to actually some condense it they didn't just like thumb suck it out of thin air 
yeah, you, you kind of wish that that it was that easy, right? And I say, I look at so many different websites and I think, and oh gosh, I love that and I love this. And as you said, it's exploration as well. It's, but you, you know, when you're hitting something, when you can say to someone and then it just lands. So I think, I mean, for Booked Out Facilitator, it was like, it was easy. Like the promise was easy. Book out five more workshops for every workshop you deliver. I think that- Extremely catchy. Extreme, I was hooked. I, I got hooked. This is me yeah. on the hook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, but it's all about that result, right? And I think uh, a lot of us as service or facilitation roles, we think it's about the methodology. So, and even like my evolution as being a first time facilitator was like, oh, well, it's great. Unpredictable experience. So what? So what happens? Right. So it's, it's more focused on the result. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought up it's an inter- iteration process. It takes time. Um, you won't just wake up with like a eureka moment, unfortunately. No, no, absolutely. It's like you cannot be a, let's say, I mean, one of the buzzwords is innovation. Everybody's talking about innovation. And you cannot be somebody that's an innovation speaker and three years later, you're still giving the same keynotes. You can't. It, it, we, it, see it, it is, we see it. Yeah, we do see it. We do mm-hmm. see it. But uh, the smart people will see right through it. I mean, the, yes. the, the, the smart people, I mean, me and you, we like working with smart people. They're people that just get it. But nevertheless, I want to find out from you, the like out of all the things, right, What's what do you enjoy the most about what you do? Cool conversations with cool people, like this one with you, Charles. <laughs> I, yeah. like, I was actually uh, saying on tour, like what, Yuri, we talk about Yuri a bit. Um, I was WhatsApping in the other day and I, and I was just thinking, you know, if I could get paid to do anything or just if my job was to do anything, it would be just to have cool conversations with cool people in cool locations. I like that. So that's what I love. And that's why I love the podcast. And I think if what that sort of demonstrates is that I'm just curious about people, their experiences and learning from people in a social way. Um, and that's why podcasting has been so great. So yeah, that's probably my favorite thing. Um, I just love, again, I don't want to sound cliche, but when people walk away as a result of a conversation, feeling inspired or compelled to do something, or they've learned something, something's shifted for them. That's like the ultimate result that I want to, to, to have with people is from some type of interaction we've had, they've, they've gotten insight, they're ready to move. They, like they're a, a, a switch went on inside them, right? The yeah, aha moment. that's a great way of, great way of saying it. I know exactly what mm. you're talking about. And that is yeah. also one of the things what I love, what I do. And I, um, I don't know if you agree with me, there's no timeline. Sometimes people click in the first section, sometimes they quick click three months down the line, but when they click, you can see it on their faces. Do you agree yes. with that? Oh, well, also I, um, I'm getting in the habit now of just re-listening to things that I've had. So I've set up my own internal podcast. It's called Stuff Leanne Needs to Listen Back To. So it's been like coaching conversations I've had with someone. Now, this might be from a year ago and I've played it back recently. And something that I did not hear 12 months ago, it is like, it's, <laughs> I'm hearing it right now. So you're right about timing. Um, it's interesting what we focus on at different times of our life and what's more relevant. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, if I think about um, getting married as an example, getting married wasn't relevant to me in my twenties mm. or having, having, having children, you know, like everything, there's a, there's a time and season for everything. Yeah. So, so, so absolutely. Now, I mean, I, like I said, I mean, I know you're a big avid uh, a reader. So, and, and, and um, if you had to pick out, first of all, I mean, let's, let's, let's talk about your podcast for a second. Out of all the guests, who are the next three people that you would love to interview, dead or alive? Anything is possible. 
give me three guests that you would love to have on your show, dead or alive. On the first time facilitated podcast, I'd say Adam Grant would have to be up there. Okay, I like him. Yeah. 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 Um, but that's still playing a bit too small. Like, like if we were to say not the first time, just any podcast, I, I yeah. honestly, Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson would be up there. I know that sounds really weird. Um, I'm just amazed by his journey. Um, I think he's a really interesting character. I'd love to talk to him. His voice is unique. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to try to emulate his, his voice. I mean, I mean, I, I do it off air. And uh, but but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. I, I go okay. So Adam and then Mike and who else? <sighs> Dead or uh, alive? I mean, yeah, I know that is really hard. This is because it's unlimited. Um, someone are you stumped now? Yeah, I really am. Because yes, I, think I, I have stumped I'll tell you. Why, I tell you why I'm stumped is because I'm as I'm about to answer. I'm like, no, that's playing too small. Like, stop playing too small. Like, I'm already. So are we scrapping Adam now? Are we scrapping Adam? Yeah, I'd have to have like I could. Sorry, Adam about. Grant, you're great, but you're off. You're on, on the maybe like a famous revolutionary. I, I would like someone that's just gone against you know and just changed fundamentally changed life. So we're looking at historical. Thomas aspect. Edison. Yeah, or even like a Benjamin Benjamin Franklin's actually quite interesting. Um, I heard Pat Flynn talk about his bi- uh, biography, where like everything happened for Benjamin Franklin after the age of forty. So maybe that's interesting as I, like, I'm 38 now, progressed to that. But, I, I, like, Charles, you really have stumped me there. And I, I don't think any answer I'm going to give you is going to be, like, I, I will be thinking about this one for weeks. So Okay. What about any female? Because you haven't mentioned any female. I know. Yet. That's what I was thinking about as well. Um, that's I, okay. I mean, be, we can, we can, we can like come a, back to that. Like a tennis player. Tennis player. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we have Adam. Adam is uh, Adam is the reserve. Adam Grant is on the reserve. And, the and reserve. Mike, I mean, I'd love to chat. I'd love to hang out with Mike. And uh, I'm trying to find ways to get hold of Mike Tyson myself because uh, I'm an I'm a amateur boxer. I've been boxing since oh, 2013. Yeah. Well, you know now. And uh, I'm a big boxing fan and I train with my trainer once a week. So, so Mike is definitely somebody that uh, I'd love to hang out and chat to and have him like direct me to how I can move better, throw punches better. So definitely. Wow. That'd be a good show. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I probably don't deserve to have Mike. But now I hear that. I'm like, Oh, I'd have to pass him on to Charles. If that ever happened. But yeah. There's definitely <laughs> females that have inspired me, but I think I've like, I've connected with a lot of them. Like any, a lot of the females that I really love and admire, I've actually, I, it could be possible. So they're not in like that. Ah, crazy. Uh, yeah. I've got to dream bigger Charles. That, that's a good signal for me. Oprah. What about Oprah? It's just two, two, everyone says Oprah. Yeah. Everyone says Oprah. <laughs> says Oprah. All right. All right. So, no. so, so I love I mean, her. She's awesome. But yeah. Yeah, she is. She is. Uh, generic. Like, now, I want to find out from you. So let's talk about people. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the three people or three persons that have influenced you the most. Why? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, definitely my parents, of course, like in terms of their influence and the differences between them. Um, and it's actually nice. So, to, so are they a package deal? So they're a package, package deal. deal. Okay. Yeah, so that's what, okay. All right. Separate them. Um, I will have to say Jenny Blake, um, that author I was talking to you before, because she's really got me questioning. I mean, I was brought up thinking to get, to do anything in life, you have to work hard. Um, but she has a different approach to that. She talks about things like non-linear breakthroughs, serendipity, working, maximizing joy and ease in your business. So actually having that as a criteria, as a, as a measurement, as opposed to dollars, um, all the metrics, right? So she actually separates that. 
and gives permission for us as business owners to explore like the, the energy and going with your gut which is stuff that working in construction, mining companies, working for the government. I mean, no one talks about that. So she's brought that back to my life. Um, and more recently, we had a pre-conversation around this. It would be Alan Weiss, um, the aggressive New Yorker consultant, who just, the reason um, he can be quite like sandpaper for a lot of people, including myself, but I've, I've kind of get to know his style now. I just think he's a genius in the way that he thinks and that it's, it's, he challenges, he really challenges my way of thinking. And in that, I actually, I, I feel like I grow. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I, I look with Alan, the fact that what, what I respect about Alan is, uh, by the way, if you guys don't know who that is, Alan Weiss, um, million dollar consultant. That was a book I think that launched his career. And that was what, 20 years ago? If I, if I'm yes. 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, he started yeah. yeah. Now, from what I've gathered, he's not a people pleaser. He doesn't care if you like him or not. If you like him, you work with him. If you don't, it's fine. And yeah. I, 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 I get that. I get that. There was, there was one wise man, which I'm not going to mention the, the, the person's name now, but he mentioned something that he said, um, the secret to success, he might not know the secret to success, but he knows the secret to failure, and that is trying to please everyone. Yeah, agree. Do, do, agree. You, do you know who said that? Uh, I, I read that was in a book I read recently. Bill Cosby. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I didn't want to say it because he's in a bit of a trouble right now. Yeah, that's bad. Um, but so I guess Alan Weiss reminds me, I did have one of my bosses. I used to work for this very controversial company called Wicked Campers. Uh, actually, you know, I'd probably put this guy, John Webb, into that category of three people. Let's make it four. Um, but he would give me all these CDs to listen to Jim Rohn, everything else. And so John was all about investing in my personal development, but John didn't care about anything. I mean, you should have seen the stuff that we did with our, with this company. I mean, he would get lawsuits sent to, to the office and he just throw them out. He didn't, he literally did not care what anyone thought about him. And while he took things a bit too far, I was like, if I, if I could channel maybe 20% of that, I think I'll be better. Mm. Um, we can't go living through life caring what other people think. It's because no. people don't actually care that much, to be honest. No, no, they don't. No, 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 they really don't. And you, you know what? Like, I, I just want to, um, I mean, you've been, you've been a solopreneur for, if I remember correctly, next year as a January, February will be three years. Yes. All right. So, yeah, it is January. January will be um, three years. And when it's January again next year, I would like to invite you back. And the reason for that is it will be a thousand days, a thousand days in business. And that is a big deal. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. The growth. Because I mean, I don't know if the stats is the same on your side, but on our side, I think 70% of the businesses don't could have even be high. Don't make it past a thousand days. So mm. when you have made it past a thousand days, I definitely want you to invite back and just have a reflection piece about some of the highs and lows that you've have gone through. If you Absolutely. are. Absolutely. All right. And yeah. I mean, I, just one last thing um, before, before we, uh, as we wrapping up now, what do you think is one of the biggest myyths about what you do that people don't think about or don't talk uh, about? The biggest myth. Um, when it, okay, when it comes in the context of, I can talk about solopreneurship, but maybe about facilitation. I think that the myth is that we're all extroverts. 
is the biggest myth. Like when I was growing up and watching these facilitators, I thought they were extremely confident. They would go to parties. They were like the most popular person. And what I've noticed, majority of my podcast guests are all introverts, which I find really interesting. So I don't really think, uh, yeah. So I think that's probably a big myth. Um, the other myth would be in terms of solopreneurship. Yeah, you don't you don't have to work hard to be successful. Um, you've got to work work smart. Okay. Wow. I wasn't expecting that answer. Uh, so oh, the Leanne, work hard one, the work hard one. Yes, I was. Yeah. I was really not expecting that. I was really not expecting that. But um, so so, <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. I really wasn't. Now I, I want to ask you a question, and uh, this will be the, the the last question, and that is, if you can go back to your to, to yourself, like when you first started in twenty nineteen, because we are approaching twenty. I mean, you're three years now. If you can go back and tell yourself one thing that you have learned or one thing that you can change or one thing that you shouldn't do, what would you have said to yourself back in 2019? Stop targeting learning and development. Why is that? Do you think it's too narrow? No, because I don't have the budget to buy what you can do. Oh, bird. <laughs> bird. And, and how long did it take for you to figure <laughs> Well, it was on it was on an interview with Alan Weiss last year, where he's like, "Stop targeting HR." He goes, "I call them hardly relevant." And I was like, "Whoa!" I know. Because that I was heard the whole that. Marketing my, jaw drop. my jaw dropped. My jaw dropped. Stuff. Um, and uh, if if listeners out there, if you're working HR, no, really, no offense. I mean, we love you. Yeah, I mean, I, that's where I've come from, so I love them. That's that's yeah. It's not offensive, but it's in the case of building a business, that yes, is an no, important lesson. Yeah. In, in, in Alan's defense, I want to explain what he meant by that. When he says HR, meaning hardly relevant, he asked a very, very good question. He said, how many people that you know with an HR background became directors, became CEOs? And that is a very, very good question. I don't know what the stats are in Australia, but, but in South Africa, most of the CEOs are CAs, chartered accountants, because it's yep. numbers. Yes, so exactly. I, I don't think I've ever come across any HR company, I'm sorry, any H, person with HR background that became directors of company, listed company. I, I don't. I can't, I can't think of any. So that's what he meant by that. That's what he meant by that. He wasn't dissing human resource as a non-relevant. No, he was. Yeah, thank you for providing that clarity because out of context, it would have been like, oh, who is this Leanne? But yeah, yeah you're going to get a lot of haters. Like, you're going to get a lot yeah. of haters. <laughs> just, but it really was. I wish I'd learned that early enough because I built up the back. I thought like hanging out at all these events and I felt, you know, I could have used that time to network more effectively. Um, but saying that I've had an awesome time. Like, I probably wouldn't change a thing, but you're giving me the option now. So that's what I would have told myself. But, you know, I think everything's a learning experience, right? Everything yeah. is a learning experience. But Leanne, you know, thank you so much for, for, for your time. And uh, if listeners want to listen to your podcast or want to get hold of you or drop your mail, where's the best place to get hold of you? Yeah, awesome. The podcast is called First Time Facilitator. LinkedIn, just search I'm Buddies with Charles, so Leanne Hughes, or uh, visit leannehughes.com uh, to find out more. And I'd love to hear from you. I really do. And we can just talk about how awesome Charles is as well. So please. <laughs> Leanne Hughes, thank you again for your time. Thanks, Charles. If you would like to connect with Charles, get in touch with him on LinkedIn, Charles Schwinn, or follow him on Instagram, Flying Kite Today. Till next time.